If you want to get to the top of your market or field, you have to be the best. Not in just one area, but several. And sometimes you're naturally good or you get lucky and knock it out of the park on the first try. But most of the time, you've got to refine your approaches with little tweaks here and there. In this week's episode of Own Your Business, I sit down with Alex LaRue, the founder and CEO of ALR Music, Europe's biggest event entertainment company that's quickly expanding to the Middle East and United States. We chat about how his entrepreneurial upbringing impacts his current success, ways to scale the business without doing it all yourself, how to pick the right people for your team, and where he gets inspiration to keep coming up with new ideas 10 plus years in. I think Alex is one of the smartest, savviest business owners in the events industry, and after this interview, I think you'll see why. Enjoy the conversation. Oh, a quick note. If you're a wedding planner who's stuck booking month of clients but want to fill your calendar with more full-service clients, check out the new three-month training program I'm doing with Megan Gilligan of the Planner's Vault. Visit the link in show notes to get early bird VIP access starting Monday, February 27th. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. All right, I am super excited. This week we have Alex Saru with ALR on the podcast. Uh, I've known Alex for a few years. We had some great conversations over, uh, you know, drinks and dinner and cocktail parties, but I have never had a chance to just sit down and actually get to know the guy and his illustrious career in the wedding and entertainment industry. Alex, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Sam, thanks very much for having me. So why don't you introduce yourself to everybody who's listening so we can get to know a little bit about what you do, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Sure. So um, as you said, I'm, I'm Alex. I've, I've owned ALR um, Music for about 12 to 13 years. I live in London. Uh, this is where our home and our base definitely is for my business. In the last year, we've done probably around 600 private and corporate shows, gigs, weddings, parties. We employ roughly about 300 to 350 musicians every single month. And um, certainly in the last year after COVID, we've seen an amazing sort of springboard to our business in all sorts of people like the whole wedding industry has seen. It's been an amazing, amazing nine months. And we're now sort of looking at 2023, 2024 with, uh, with great excitement. So it sounds like you own a pretty small company then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's small. It's it, you know. It's clearly looking after a lot of freelance musicians. You know, we're certainly the largest entertainment business for live music, for weddings and parties. Um, like I say, in Europe, so it's growing and it's growing. And it's growing, which is really exciting. Everybody, I think, you know, with more and more people on social media and more and more people being able to devour content um, at their fingertips, people are no longer just sort of booking bands or whatever the vendors are, they really get into it. And with the touch of a button, they can find out who the owner is, what sort of bands they can have. It's, it's you know, really in the last year and a half, it's been a much more direct-to-consumer face business ours because people are, people are much more inquisitive. 
They want to find out. They want to see whose wedding and party you did. Who was the band? Oh my God, my friend had this band, but what about this one? All of that stuff. People are just much more interested about, I think, the detail in which music happens at a wedding. So it's not just the entertainment at the actual event that is paramount. It's it's a little bit of the behind the scenes. It's the people who are producing the entertainment. It's a story that they can then communicate to the people who are attending or about to attend their event. Yeah, there's uh, there's a little bit of that. But to be honest, it's look, it's like any brand in 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 the world, right? It's about who can I trust on my wedding day? But you know, you need a love brand, um, as famously been coined, about you know what sort of company do I want to trust with these important things? So my wedding planner is this person, my florist is this, the music person is this, because fundamentally, you know, music is the is the sort of thing in in life that transcends all generations. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's music gets people on a dance floor in a way that conversation sometimes doesn't. And so we have this really important um, special opportunity to bring people together. Now, if you don't get that right clearly then people don't come together in the same way so whilst i never say that music is the most important thing at these things it, it's certainly up there with with one of them because if you can get it right really fundamentally you're selling actually fun, funnily enough a feeling because that you know music does make you feel a certain way and um that's what we try and get right and you do a great job of it and you're doing 600 events in a year that's quite a bit I'm I'm always curious about the path that people took to get to that point. Obviously, 12, 13 years ago, you were not doing what you're doing now. Uh, take us back to the beginning of your love for music. How did you how did you know that this is what you wanted to do with your career, with your life? Oh my god, we're going right back, Sam. I'm not sure anyone's that interested in this bit, but I'll keep it I'll keep it super short. Um, I, I just always loved music from a, from a young age. I, I thought I was going to be the next Michael Bublé or Robbie Williams. That's all I wanted to be growing up at school and university and all that stuff. And really, after university, I went to Paul McCartney's music school, so I studied composition um, for four years in Liverpool. And I, I it, you know, it, it dawned on me that perhaps I wasn't going to be uh, Bublé, but I loved the business of it. I loved. I, I sang in bands my whole time. I understood business, and so um, at twenty four, I. I, I put one band together for this very sort of illustrious uh, members club in London called the Arts Club, which has been there since um, 18, 1867 or something. Um, and Churchill was a member. And all these things. They revamped it about 15 years ago. And it was, I don't want to say it was, but it was, it was certainly the first one that members club that had been redone for the new era in London, um, probably in 30 or 40 years. And since then, there's been this huge resurgence of members clubs, not just in London, but all, all the way around the world. And um, really, the arts club was the first people that that were doing you know, sort of five or six floors. And then down in the, in the basement, there was this live music venue. And Mark Ronson was the head of music. He left after a couple of weeks. And then I got the gig and, and I ran all the live music there for about uh, 10 years. So it, it really gave me an amazing platform to test out 10-piece uh, bands every Thursday, Friday and Saturday, understanding really like I had been a DJ and a singer, what songs work with crowds. Like if you could... If the same band every Friday can test three or four out of their 26, 30 songs, it's a really interesting test case on, uh, actually, although that song's number one around the world at the moment, it, it, it's not well known enough to be on this dance floor yet. So let's just, let's hold that Dua Lipa song back a little bit. 
so it's a, it, from a from a sort of song musicality creativity point of view, it's a really interesting test bed to to gently just do a few and see where where exactly they were. So from from really being the director of music at the arts club and having one band, I built more and more and more soul band, R and B band. I then had a dance band. I then had a, an Ibiza live orchestra. And over the ten years where I was just looking after one venue, I now look after fourteen different venues. And now our private events, sort of like I say, a pretty vast number as well. So I'm curious, how did the private club impact your perception of what you wanted to bring to the wedding space? Obviously, a, a, a wedding event is a private club for a night in in some respects, in the sense that it's an invite only. Um, there's yeah. a group of people who are brought together for a special reason. How did you pick up or what did you pick up in the private club experiences early on that you've applied to your work in the wedding world? People are smart beings. And I, I've i always thought when building my particular company that I do not want to see guys and girls in black suits, white shirts, black ties, black shoes. It's just, we're not a bunch of waiters. And I think it's really important, you know, people listen with their eyes and if you just stick them in these sort of, you know, pedestrian outfits, which is just like anyone could be wearing, it's not the sexy, fun, vibrant, exciting look that they want to have. They're coming on a Friday night for an escape. They have a couple of margaritas, they want to dance with their partners. And for that 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 20, 90 minutes, whatever it is, you've got them. So you've got to encapsulate them. You've got to encapsulate the amazing music. You've got to capture them and not let them go. And actually, a lot of the time in music and with bands, they they, they make a mistake. We all, we all made mistakes. But if you make a mistake, this club only has 100 people in it. If you make a mistake, they leave. And if 30 or 40 people leave, the other 60 leave. So you, you've got a really short tension span, a window to really win them over. And if you can win over a very high-end private members club in London full of all sorts of people from around the world, you can do it at a wedding. And so I've, I felt that that was my sort of like, if we can nail this, because the thing about a wedding is when you come together, everyone's in such a good mood. They just everyone's they're there for love, right? They're there. You love them. They love you. You've got this amazing feeling. To be honest, a lot of the time, you know, the band everything goes really well because everyone's just in such a good mood. The band's you know quite good. Let's just say, for example. Whereas actually, the tough gigs are the ones where, for whatever reason, the guests don't know each other. They're perhaps from totally different countries. They don't speak the same languages. So actually, as a band, it's your job to like bring them together and I think the club was a really good almost like school of how do you keep everybody on the dance floor to ensure that nobody leaves and that was that was the best lesson I could have had make sure they look amazing and make sure that we with a lot of my bands they're all very very high energy the tempo is actually is, is quick it's all very very quick none of this slow stuff none of this grooving none of this like soloing for hours there's none of that None of that. It's high energy. It's Hitsville, Tennessee. It's what can we do next? The UK is different to America in lots of different ways, but we all speak the same language and we all, we all, you know, generally speaking, we all sort of know the same sort of music. And so therefore, if you can get it right in one place, you can get it right in the next. It's not like there's some huge cultural difference, let's say, between here and somewhere in Asia. So I, I, I think, you know, America is the same because we do quite a lot of shows in America. And actually that high energy, high tempo, not sitting there. You don't want to get a guy on the mic, start saying, hey, I remember in so-and-so when we used to sit. You lose everyone. They're not interested. It's not. It's actually not the ALR music show. 
right? If this is someone's wedding, you're there to entertain them. And my, my big thing in my company is we are, you know, our clients, the bride and groom, the wedding planner as well. And it's about going, how can we make this night feel so amazing that I always say this, like you want them, the, the couple to, to um, wake up the next day in their B&B that they've traveled to for their friend's wedding. You want them to be fully clothed, waking up, going, oh my God, who was that band last night? My feet are so sore. I danced all night. And if you, if you manage to do that, then everyone's had, had this amazing time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is about the entertainment and it is about making sure that everybody's having a good time. I, I also love your perspective of starting with the couple and the planner in mind of what's going to make the kind of party that they want to see happen, happen. And how can you play a role in that? Uh, it's, you know, starting from your clients and building things out first. It sounds like whether it's a dance floor or your clients, you're always thinking about how is my audience responding to what I'm doing? And that seems to be a, a the focal point or at least a starting point of what it is that you're doing with your business. It's not what you want to sing about. It's what people are going to enjoy dancing to or what's going to make the couple smile or the people the next day look back and go, wow, my feet hurt. Totally. And and we we do huge debriefs. You know, every Monday we sit down off the weekend in the in the in the busiest months and we have we have proper, proper feedback sessions on what worked, what didn't. Now generally speaking, we've been doing this 13, 14 years or whatever it is. So we all know that the songs that are going to work from the Motown, soul, funk. But it's important, though, that um, when you are trying to do some modern stuff, and I love putting in the modern stuff, sometimes it doesn't land. Just It's been out six months, it's been around the world, but there's that new song by Lizzo called... Um, uh, I just forgot. Anyway, it's not about damn time, and it's not um, the other one. Anyway, it's the brand new one, and it's, it's a much slower tempo, and it's a much more groove tempo. It doesn't land. Ask all. And I've really tried, it's a brilliant song, but it's just not high tempo enough. And so we all sit down, you know, we have about 10 to 14 bands uh, here and it's important that the musical directors then get that feedback. It's important that each of my team, I know you can't see them, but 16 guys behind uh, uh, me here. And each of them, what I do is from the moment you have uh, the pickup of the phone call, hi, Sam here, I'd like to book a band. That person, generally speaking, as long as it's not sort of an assistant, they are then your key point person and they will actually be at your wedding on the day. So you feel completely in the sales process, you're happy, operations, all of that stuff. And then on the day, you've done enough Zooms that you say, and you just, you know, you probably don't, as the, as the bride and groom, they don't, they don't come up to the people and go, hi, hi, how you doing? What they do do is they probably just have a little smile, just have a wink, and they just know that they're in really, really safe hands. And then those people, what we call tour managers, then feed back on the Monday and they feed back and go, you know what, that Lizzo song, uh, uh, it didn't quite land. So we then take it out for the next uh, different things. And we say, but let's try this other one. New Justin Timberlake's come out. Let's slot that in. I mean, you've got a lot of people working for you who have a lot of important roles. What has it been like for you to be in one venue, being able to oversee the experience and the team to having events going on around the world? How have you been able to maintain the high level of quality of service and performance and entertainment without being there to guide it directly. So with, with the venues, we actually just, to be clear, we just do the music in the venues rather than the, the ending us, but it's, it, it's quite a substantial uh, program that we, that we provide. But I think to your point about um, how do we keep the level very high, you know, 
of my 16, I think nine have been with me five years. And we've just hired four new people. So I have I have people who have been with me for like a really, really long time. I think if you've, if you've been with a company for longer than three years, it's, that's a pretty significant amount of time. So I, I actually let them, you know, we all debrief, we all talk about it. I go on lots of events. But I don't go on all of them. In fact, I probably go to 50 of the 600. So I, you've got to be able to trust your team. And clearly when we have the debriefs every week, talking about what we're doing, and also, like as I just said, time and doing all these shows, you learn the nuances. This particular planner works like this. Some planners want to be in the detail, right? They want to be minute by minute. They want to be calling the plays like the quarterback. Other planners, some of the biggest planners in the world I work with, they say, right, off you go. You're in charge. And you're like, okay, cool. But it's it's not so much that you can't do it. It's just that these are these are very, very different. And remember, we, we're all like, all these people are like independent contractors. Like everyone's got their own. So these are a lot of SMEs, small and medium-sized enterprise businesses. These are not like we're dealing with, you know, in lots of other different spheres of, of, of industry where like this is a company that's got 100 people. You know, actually what we're doing here is probably we're dealing with a planner who's either got one other person or probably 12 other people, but it's not like they have 30. So it, it's it's about learning how to work um, with those particular people and what they want to do. And actually you have no idea. You can do as many Zooms as you want, but on the day when something goes wrong, you know, it's just, it's about sort of being there and understanding that. And I think you basically got to train your people well enough. Most of my guys are ex musicians. They're not musicians anymore. They 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 have great musicality. They're now in business. They're super on it. They're very attentive. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. So I'm curious. Over the course of the last you know dozen years or so, you've seen your role change. I mean, you went to yeah Paul McCartney School of Music, and you were like, I'm going to be a performer. And then it was, I'm going to, you know, manage a band. And then it was, I'm going to manage lots of bands. And then it's, I'm going to manage people who manage lots of bands. How has your role in your company changed for good? And how has it changed for bad? What parts have you liked along the way? And what parts have been hard for you along the way in that transition? Um, well, right back in the in the beginning of the days, I used to book the gigs. I used to sort of, you know, get the musicians, speak to the client. I'm very pleased that I do that. That's 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 a tough gig for, for for the guys because you've got you've got both ends, right? You've got the musicians saying, Oh, you know, I'm not sure about this, I, I don't want to, you know, whatever, or yes, please. And then you got the you got the client going, Well, I know I said I wanted this, but perhaps I don't want it anymore. So it's like, it's quite I have to say, it's a super tough business because uh, it's a super super tough role. In the business because you you've got to keep two parties and remember it's not just two parties it's the it's the client and then it's the 12 musicians and it's what it's a people business you know why do you think recruitment companies earn so much money and and and, and our multi-billion dollar companies you know people are, are incredibly difficult to manage even the easiest people you're, you're dealing with people you're not dealing with an iphone where if you have a good marketing strategy and you build the right products you can basically replicate the same thing you you can't actually do that you need to and that's the thing about scaling a business like uh, a music business is that you can't just scale it like a like like a like a product. You have to. It's a people business. There's a lot of man hours that go into. Hey, singer number one, you know, I I really believe in you. I want you to do this. Well, I've just taken a tour with Adele, so you know all that R and D we've just done for two years. Unfortunately, I can no longer do it. You're like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> so it's it. That that stuff is is um, is tricky, but 
you know, the, the stuff I love is the creative and, you know, video is a really, really important thing and something that we invest huge amounts of money into. You know, I would argue that we're up there as one of the best, if not the best company for video for what we what we deliver. I do not believe in miming for videos and there's lots of companies out there who mime videos and a lot of people buy it. But unfortunately, when we do videos, you probably only honestly get 50% of the video worth being able to take because people make mistakes. When you, when you video stuff live, mistakes happen, right? Someone cuts off the camera, uh, they sing a, bu- a bum note, all sorts of things happen. But you get that live element to it, which therefore means that you feel like you're at the gig, you feel like you're at the wedding. So it's I feel that's like a really important step. And we spend, honestly, we spend a huge amount of time um, effort, treasure on on getting that bit right. Um, so I'd say, you know, that's the bit that I like, but it is it is really, really labor intensive. And, um, you know, honestly, since where, where we met Sam and Engage, um, with the wedding conference, you know, I have been completely, um, I've been opened up to a group of, you know, very high-end wedding planners that I would never normally have got to in a very short space of time. And so, now we're doing the, these amazing things in America and around the world where it could have taken me quite a lot longer to get there. Whereas by doing all the music, we did it in London, then we did it in Ireland in October. It, it hits you with a group of international people that perhaps you wouldn't have got before and opens uh, amazing doors. What's it been like to see massive growth in a short period of time? Well, it hasn't, you know, it, we saw massive growth in 2019 just when we did London Engage, because literally nobody had heard of us from America, I would say, a few people had. And and that was in November, and then COVID hit in March. So unfortunately, we saw a huge surge, and then it sort of dampened right down. So uh, that was, wasn't so helpful. But then we, we did a number, we did two or three big high-profile things. Michelle Rago kindly had us on... Um, a really amazing gig for um for a big big um sports company ceo um and and that went bananas and then from there we did the beck and pelts wedding because hopefully we did a good job per three months before and from from those sort of two seriously um um big shows a lot of other people have gone wow well if you if you've done these big things and michelle's been very kind about us then a lot of other people have now been um been inquiring the other thing is that i've now built an american band called brooklyn soul who you'll remember came to Ireland. So, it, you know, by showing the wedding industry, I flew them all from America to Ireland to show all the Americans what we could do. And by now having a product in America that doesn't require visas, that doesn't require being flown over from the UK, that has really been a, a game changer for us. And a little bit like we were talking about earlier, you know, I modeled it on a cool um, a 70s funk band. You know, I did not want it to look like another one of these wedding band companies. You know, it needed to be, they're in red velvet suits, you know, they're in these sunglasses. There's this amazing sign behind saying Brooklyn Soul. You know, it, it feels like a Bruno Mars, Silk Sonic um, video. And from then we've seen people come to us going, do you know what? We just needed a band that didn't look like a wedding band. This to me sounds like it. And that that's really lifted it. I want to go back to when you were making the transition from being in school and learning music to running a business or doing business activities, you know, you have teachers, professors in, in school, you have in the entertainment industry, people that you can look up to and you can watch them perform. You can watch them do their thing. And so it's easy to, I think it's easier to at least see what success looks like or what gets somebody to success. It's much more challenging in a business environment, especially if you're not 
inside of a company learning from your boss and then your next boss and your next boss as you move up the ranks. How do you, how did you learn what it was that you needed to do for your business? Was it trial and error? Did you have a mentor? Was it something else? It's very simple. It's uh, two parents who are serious, serious uh, business people. And my best friend, Ryan, who went to um, Liverpool McCartney School with me, he said that when he came down from Liverpool for um, for like Sunday lunch or whatever, um, he'd sit around the Sunday, uh, Sunday lunch table and it would feel like a job interview, like a really nice one, really like charming, polite. But my mum would be like, so Ryan, what's, uh, what's the plan? And he'd be like, oh, well, I think me and Alex are going to go to the pub and then no, 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 she went, no, no, I'm not talking about today. I'm, I mean, like, come on, what are we doing? You're graduating in two and a half years. What, what internships are you doing this summer? What, uh, who are you going to go and see? What are we doing? Because when that stops at 24, you're going to be out there. So come on, what are we doing? I want to help. Let's go. And my mum my works for Estee Lauder, so an American company, obviously, you know, um, but, but she runs a European division over here. And so she, you know, we used to go to America a lot um, for, for sort of with her and stuff. So, you know, she, she's from a big corporate company, background, amazing public speaker. And then my father uh, is an entrepreneur, been in restaurants, lo- lots of different things. And so they come from things from a completely separate background, big corporate, and then independent, run his own thing. And actually, they're really good with one another, giving each other insights into, into helping one another. And, and honestly, I know it sounds cheesy. But, you know, the, the, my dad ran a restaurant company that probably had 500 employees at one stage. And my mom probably runs you know, a, a really, really large team as well. So I, I've understood from two different people, very different styles, but I've, I've just always grown up with, um, you know, a fear of failure just in, in general, trying to, trying to, you know, be the best person that I can be, but also how to learn how to manage people. You know, I've, I've watched both of them um, do that all through the years, but let's be clear, you know, 14 years ago, it was just me. And then I had one person and, and then, you know, I had a second person and and then probably five years ago, I had six people. So it's 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 never, you know, I haven't taken, it, it hasn't been like, I don't know, you, you take on a load of investors and you've got a load of money and you hire 16 people. It's been a very gradual sort of thing. So you learn on the go on exactly, um, you know, how to do it. But then having this background was, was, was amazing. So Sunday night, you know, pot roast dinners were more like a board meeting, maybe with with the family. <laughs> um, what are something like that? What What are some things that you uh, that you picked up? You know, what what's a uh, a tip or or something that you know your your folks gave you that was super helpful as you got going that you you would want to pass on to your own family if they decided to pursue their entrepreneurial inheritance. Oh my god. Um... What have they taught me? I mean, my dad, well, they both have, but, you know, integrity is everything. So, you know, your, 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 your word is your bond. I mean, I know that sounds cheesy and like everybody knows that, but like if you're running a team, you've got, you, you know, you, you're going into war, you're going into the trenches. It's going to be good days, it's going to be bad days. If you want people to follow you as a leader, you have to lead by example. It's no good me working from home four days a week out of the five and telling everyone to work harder whilst they're in the office. It's just, it doesn't work like that. I'm always in, I'm here. You know, you got, I, I just feel like you've got to lead from the front, uh, lead by example. Have they both taught me that? I'm sure they have. I'm trying to think of the other things that they've taught me. Always reply to emails. I know that's like obvious, but I think you know when you when you're 18, you're a bit like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
I, and speed, speed in which you reply to an email. I was the yeah, people, people. It's it's important getting back to people. They've they've had the courtesy of getting you know emailing you. you the least you could do is not wait forty eight hours to reply to them. Mm. Um, those are not great examples. I'll have to think of a couple of better ones. I think they're I think they're great examples. You know, I read a study that showed that uh, trust in an online digital environment is built on speed of response. So the faster you get really? back, the the more they can trust you. And that's one of the reasons why speed is so important with inquiry responses, because you're building immediate trust when you get back to somebody. You make them feel like they're being heard and accepted. And 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 that's that's important, especially when you reach out. How many times you send a text to a friend and they're like, it's been 18 seconds. Why haven't they gotten back to me? What's more important than me? And, <laughs> and, and so when, you know, when somebody inquires or somebody wants an answer, whether it's a planner or a partner, or whether you're working with a, you know, on, on a project that they want speed and response. And, and I, yeah. I think that that's a, a great takeaway. Plus integrity, I think is something that, uh, you know, r- runs our lives, uh, whether we want to put yeah. our finger on that or not, it really is. It's who we are, especially yeah. if, if we're so synonymous like you are. I mean, the name of your company, LR Music, is your initials. You are so tied to the business. If you don't have personal integrity, then people will translate that to your company not having the kind of brand integrity that they want to form a long-term relationship with. And for planners especially, that would be a challenge for you, I would imagine. So I, I think they're great examples. I really do. Okay, good. I thought we were going to have to come back, but okay, good. <laughs> so I want to go back to what you said. You didn't have a lot of investors. You know, I think that most wedding professionals bootstrap it. They, you know, start off with a dream and a lot of hard work and and hope for a, a good break. Um, you know, was there a point in which you you were scaling your business that you thought, okay, I'm going to have to stop bootstrapping it, DIYing it. I'm going to have to bring in outside people to help me in key areas. No, not yet. You know, we're not doing like wedding planning, so many different facets of so many different, I don't know what the better word is, but the things on the day. I mean, I know the joke and the memes are, if you're a wedding planner, you're a therapist, you're this, you're, you know, the the, the the line is probably like 25 different things, right? You're sewing the hem of the dress and then you're you're probably the fire brigade when something goes wrong. You're the emergency services. You're the, you're the pastor when someone doesn't, you know, these are all the things with us, with the music company, right? So... It's a little, it's it's more streamlined, and you know we've got to get, we've got to get the guys there clearly. And actually, sometimes I call ourselves a logistics business more than a music business. Mm-hmm. Like the music's important, we've got to get the music right. Like tick tick tick, that's how you get signed because the wedding planner thinks you're good at music. But it's like there's then like probably seventy percent of the work is how are we going to get them to the Upper Hebrides in the middle of Scotland? There's no travel there, or whatever whatever the thing. So it's about really like. Yeah, with the wedding planners, I just feel like there's a lot of things that you've got to try and do. With ours, once you get your your sort of like um, your flow right, I, I believe that it's a, a slightly more simple um, products to be selling. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think I think you're right about the logistics. The entertainment is just kind of the like that's the thing you got to do. You got to ante in with that. Yeah. Everybody, everybody who's in the business has to be really good at entertaining people. But it's the remainder part that happens behind the scenes before the event starts that really makes your success. What yeah. kind of barriers have you run into as a business owner as you've tried to do more than just provide great music on the day of the wedding? What are some of the logistical challenge or the growth challenge or the people challenges 
that have created some obstacles for you over the years? I think AV production is the number one thing because we're a premium music company. We're expensive. That, that, that is what it is. And actually what happens is if the band's production AV tech rider is as expensive as the band, people go, no, thank you. I mean, it's, 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 a, very, it's a very unsexy thing to spend money on, cable ties and mic stands. Like who wants to spend their hard-earned cash on that sort of thing? So um, it's important that the tech riders aren't, you know, these ridiculous things. Having said that, you know, when, when, a, when a UK company sometimes goes to Spain or Italy, they jack up the prices because they see where we're from. And then we get our Italian and our Spanish um, um, speakers in the office come around and say, hey, stop that. You know, we're not a bunch of jokers, like be normal. There's more, there's more microphones here than a Kiss concert. Let's actually like dial it down a bit. So, but I would say AV production is, and it's also a hidden cost that a lot of bridal grooms will just not know about. Now, that is the wedding planner a lot of the time says, hey, by the way, this happens every time. There's this hidden cost. It's not hidden. There's this cost. You haven't thought about the stage. Oh, they don't need a stage. They need a stage. Oh, you know, we don't need that much lighting. It's going to be dark. There's going to need to be some lighting. You know what I mean? So I would definitely say AV production is a, uh, is a thing. Obviously, you know, cost, cost is something. It's just... It just if the flights and the hotels and the AV production for a band that is expensive anyway is it, going to be loads of money, then some people go, you know, what, I'll just go local. So that that that's sort of our our stuff on how we try and deal with it. Generally speaking, in Europe, that you know, a lot of people who get married in the hot, a lot of people in the summer get married abroad from the UK because they want guaranteed sunshine. So they go to Italy, they go to Spain, they go to France. Those are sort of the top three by quite a long way. And, um, you know, in those particular countries that don't speak English in the, as their first language, th- there aren't as many bands as there are in the UK because it's our first language. It's as simple as that. So a lot of people come to us who want these amazing experiences in Europe and, you know, they, they are willing to, to spend the money on the hotels and on the flights and all those sorts of things. So, you know, we do about 40% of our trade um, internationally and of the 40%, probably 80% of that is in Europe. So... It's a it's a it's a huge sort of market for us, and um, you know, long may it continue. So you're traveling quite a bit for work, I would imagine, given that you do so much business in Europe outside of the UK. What's your your schedule like, and how does that impact things outside of work? Oh, Sam, we're now getting into sort of psychiatrist territory. Uh, <laughs> well, if you want to take it there, you can. I thought it was a pretty simple question. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, look. I tra- I travel a lot, but again, I, I trust all my guys. They do it all. If it's a new planner, and specifically like someone, someone who's not just taking a band, they're taking a three day extravaganza of seventy musicians. Obviously, I'm there. I'm, I'm always there. My guys run it, and I'm there as support. I do not start like taking a microphone, introducing people. Hey, how you all? Do- that, that an- I I am right at the back. And if the planner like would like me and wants to have a chat, hey, I don't think that's, I think we need a different song for the first dance. Whatever the thing is, then we can have that chat. And I obviously have a great rapport with my, all my musicians. I, I make a real point of knowing everybody, knowing their strengths, knowing their weaknesses, you know, just, so those are the things that I do. And and I, I, I'm i quite careful, you know, I, I, I tend to not go to every single event um, in those summer months. And then sometimes if I am going to go for perhaps like a three-day big thing, then I'll bring my wife and my son out and maybe we'll do a couple of days um, together as well. I think that's like a really nice way of, 
you know, making these things work, obviously, with all of us having families. You know, one of the things about being a business owner is that it's hard, right, to balance some sort of clear split between um, I'm going to the office nine to five and then, you know, coming home. Obviously, weddings are weekend business, uh, but booking them and operating the logistical side of things are a, a Monday through Friday business. Have you been able to kind of uh, find a good way for you to overlap the work that you're doing and the life that you want to live? Has that been like, does your business feed your life still? Or are you kind of in this growth phase where you're having to pick priorities more often than you'd like? Because that's that's something that I think that all business owners struggle with. Uh, if you know, uh, if, if you are the business, I I feel uh, this sounds super cheesy. I feel so lucky. I love what I do. Like I just love, love, love it. So I I don't feel like that at the moment. You know, I'm 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 not I, having had like everybody else to the worst years ever i I, i'm i'm ready i'm ready to go i'm literally let's go there's no i don't feel pulled in different directions ask me in two three four five six years maybe but uh in fact i don't i'm not really built like that as long look it's important that you spend obviously your time with the family when you can and i do think having the holiday at the end for a few days even a week if you're going to do that whilst you're out there that's 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 like a no-brainer so i think as long as one's sensible um then that's how i feel at moment. Yeah, you know, I I uh I find that there are two types of people, people who have found a way to blend things together and to accept that work is a part of life. It's not separate from it. And uh that that I think is helpful because uh you know, in modern work world, you can't just turn things off. Um you know, everybody expects you to be right there, especially if we know how important being responsive is and I'm I'm always curious because I know I struggle with it, and um, so many of my clients do. How do you balance, you know, the the two things that you need to do, and is it a clear line or is it blurred? Uh, I find that most people are living a blurred existence in that sense, where work and life are not separate, but they're commingled, intertwined, and um, you just try and do things the best you can. I think, though, Sam, you've got to hire great people. Like every single person who is in my office. I, I I trust them. I've trained them. I, I really people say, oh, you don't have to like every. I like every single person. I need to like everyone because I don't. I do not want to come into an office where I don't like someone. It's just it's just life's too short. I need to be able to look them in the eyes and go. I can't come to this thing on Saturday night. My kid's sick. I need you, Junior, so and so. I need you to go and run it for me. Can we do this? Like I, I need to have that, and I need to instill the confidence in people. So you can't be at every single event. You can't be at every single thing where. People rely on you so much that when you're not there and your kid is sick, they go, well, I don't want to book you. Or, or when you go on a holiday and they go, oh, I don't want to book you if you're not going to come. You know, I, I, I really have left some of our most important clients over the years. I don't, I, I don't go on the shows. I've never been on the shows. So, but, but it's, it's then, in, you know, you could do that as long as there's someone as good as you or better. I'm very pleased to say that most of the people sit opposite me are better than me. So <laughs> it's, that's, that's the way to do it. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I've done maybe a dozen of these kinds of interviews with some of the the biggest names and most talented people in the wedding industry, and they've all said the same thing: that their ability to produce events at a high caliber consistently and not have to always do everything related to the event is tied specifically to their ability to hire and retain good people who can do things better than them. And, and that they can trust 
to their clients, to their vendor partners. That That is where growth comes from. There's only so much that you as an individual can do and and your ability to promote yourself to the next level, uh, to the next job, to being a CEO of your company rather than the worker of your company is based on your ability to hire a team. Definitely. And, you know, whilst the business owners are, are you know, let's say at the top, you know, the, the, the senior event producer doesn't want to talk to me. You know, they actually want to talk to my head of events. So it's very, it's it's fine me talking to Marcy and and Michelle and and all these people, but and Sarah. But actually, you know, really, um, their number twos want to be talking to my number twos. So it's about if I don't have anybody good, then they're not going to want to work with me. It really is as simple as that. So it's important that you you know build that team really well. You look after them. You treat them well. You know, I, I really, it's really important to me that these guys work, you know, people work so hard. This is their lives. So it's important then that you respect them enough. I mean, obviously pay is one, you know, you've got to pay people properly and they've got to be happy with that. But it's the other things that they've got to be happy with. Like, are, you, are, they, are they in an environment in which um, they're respected and their points are listened to? Are they, in, you know, we're in Soho here in central London. So, you know, is, is, is that quite a fun, like exciting place to be where it's in the heart of, I, I think they all think so. It's an amazing sort of environment. So, um, these are all the other thing, you know, where are we going for our offsites? What things to inspire us? Are we going to go and watch? Are we going to go and watch Moulin Rouge, the new thing? Are we going to go and watch the Kit Kat Club with Eddie Redmayne? Are we going to go to the Brit Awards, which is our Grammys, which is happening uh, next month? You know, these are things that, that you need to do, to, I think, to, um, to keep and attract brilliant talent. Mm. Tell me what drives you right now? What is, what is success look like? for you you seem like a goal-oriented guy uh clearly you're building things 12 to 24 months in advance what does success look like for you in the next one to three years for for you for your company we're building out in america it's a really important market for us and i think there's a really big gap in the market for for really what we offer so um and we see we're now seeing the inquiries come in so um America is a big target for me. We've just opened an office in um, the UAE in Dubai. You know, there's there's definitely an ability there where the restaurant scene, and the F&B food and beverage scene, is at a, it's such a high quality. Um, it, in fact, some of the times you have sister restaurants to New York or London there, and what you find is that the caliber of food is better in Dubai than it is in London, or that the service is better there, but the entertainment isn't. And there's a big, big, you can, you can see that the food's there, service is there, entertainment there so um we've sort of we've identified there's there's something quite substantial there for growth and um, so it's really these two i say emerging markets obviously not actual emerging emerging markets to us whereby america we, you know i've got someone to help me they're going to run the uae but really my focus is going to be on uh, america but having said that you know the uk is the fifth biggest economy in the world you know there is amazing amazing opportunities here and even though we've had brexit Actually, there are still lots and lots of Europeans who are here. There are lots of people doing business. London is still, um, I, I think, the, uh, the capital of, of Europe, and so the opportunity is amazing. So it's it's you know it's filling these these things out. But like I say, really, America and the UAE, specifically America, um, is going to be like uh, is my personal project really. And does that fill your cup? Kind of seeing things and uh, you know trying to figure out a way to develop uh an extension of your your company or your services in that market is that is that what drives you right now 
Yes, 100%. We've got three different venues who are private members clubs now taking our services from January. I mean, you know, I've got 14 here. To have three in New York is amazing. And so by them now doing these private members clubs and then people seeing them or us bringing people down to them, you know, it's 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 a complete shift in our business really because people can then come and see the bands. They've seen the video. Okay, I like the video. The video's great, Alex. That's fine. I want to come and see them. Come and see them here. You know, it's it's actually a, it's a big, big difference. And, and some companies that I've seen in America who do what we do, they buy bands from different regions. You know, we're not doing that. We're creating everything from scratch. God, it takes a long time. God, it's hard. But then, then we have the control. And then we know that I want to have this person and that person. Funnily enough, I don't really mean from a musicality point. It's not like we have to stamp the A&R stamp on it. It's what we say goes. It's, it's, it's actually much more collaborative than that. It's just about the personnel and knowing that, you know, these are long days. These are really, really long days. And that with the Beckham wedding that we did, the Beckham Peltz wedding, you know, all the flights on the East Coast were cancelled. We, we had to get this prop plane. It took, you had to, had to land twice to get me fueled. You know, what should normally be a three-hour thing took nine hours from, from New York to Palm Beach. They then, it was 48 hours of traveling. And, you know, that is a lot, actually, for someone to then give their performance of their lifetime. To, to this amazing wedding. You know, these are human beings again. So you need to pick people who who basically get it. That's that's the best thing. Who, who've got endurance, who've done the big tours before, and who aren't going to say, you know, I, I actually can't get on uh, that play. That's too much travel for me this time. So, you know, you've got to really find um, the grafters uh, who are incredibly talented. As you can imagine, takes some time. It does. It does. It's a, you got to, Little diamond in the rough, right? You you see them when you see them, but you you can't always get them when you want them. Tell me yeah. this, Alex, as you go back and look at your career as a bit of a retrospective, you can go back to Alex, you know, back in you know twenty four year old, you know, at the private club, just starting out. What are some things that you wish Alex of today had told Alex of yesterday? Any regrets looking back on your career that you wish okay. you would have done things differently? No, my only regret is I wish COVID hadn't happened. I would have been been a much more secure. <laughs> no, let's not put that in either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think what what would myself now have, have told them? And what if I what if I? I think I think it's just about having like look. You've got to have a great idea if you're going to start your own thing. You just have to, or you you have to have a good idea, or you have to see a gap in the market, or both. And I was lucky enough to see that. And also, I just had one band. I just thought I was going to make a bit of extra cash here and there doing one band whilst I DJs. Like, this was not, I did not have some grand plan. I think the best, okay, I've got it. Got it. The best piece of advice I could give is that I thought I was going to be a musician. I thought I was going to be a singer. I thought I was going to go down this road. And I worked at EMI Records. I worked at Virgin Records and all these internships at all these amazing places. And by staying in the music game, that I was able then to pivot right or left or, or whatever. Now, if I hadn't done that and I just gave up and I went and studied history at Bristol rather than I failed twice to get into Paul McCartney's music school, and then I finally got in for a third time. And then once I got in, I was president of the student union. Now, it, it was all about persistence, also all about perseverance. And so it's a really, really big thing. It's just like you've just got to keep going. And especially like in my particular field, if you have those in anyone's field, if you have the knockbacks, all sorts of people as well are going to have knockbacks. It's the people who keep going who are going to find their way through. 
So I, I, I was just always very persistent that I wanted to do this. Did I think I was going to be doing like a wedding band company, a music company? You know, never. I just, I just, it wasn't that, but I was in music. I just knew I wanted to be in music. So the best piece of advice for anyone is whatever the, whatever the sort of love is that you want to do for the rest of your life, whatever the field is, stay in the field. You may not be in the, exactly the right job at that time, but you can then meander in a way that can get you into an environment or in a different job. But if you leave the sector in which that you know you are working in, it's very difficult to then get back in. If you then go into administration, someone sees on LinkedIn you're in music, you went into administration, they're going to be like, "Oh, what happened there?" So it's just about that. That's, that has been my like my greatest achievement. Really, hasn't been like any of the success. It's just been like my complete clarity on came from my dad. It's just like stay in the game, just somehow stay in music, and you'll you'll work your way through. And now look at it. It's like, it's completely different to what I thought. And yet I absolutely love what I do. I love that. I, I would say that I've had the same experience. I never thought that I'd end up where I'm at. I, I love the journey. Uh, I love the destination yeah. I'm at. Um, could not have predicted it 20 years ago. Um, and that's, I think that's something that a lot of business owners go through, especially if like both of us, we listen to what our clients want most. And, and we, we look at what our team needs most. And we find that it's not always what we had thought it was in the first place. And we had to keep yeah. pushing and and pay attention along the way. Alex, yeah. if people wanted to see some of your amazing entertainment videos that you have dumped too much money into, too much treasure, as you <laughs> said, or a lot of treasure, uh, where where can they best find that 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 content? So our website is alrmusic.com. And if you're um, an Instagram fan, go on Instagram and search ALR Music. It's, uh, it's all up there. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate your time, my friend. Sam, great to see you. Thank you for inviting me.